0: Several years ago, we had a little boy in this church named Ollie. Oliver, sweetest boy in the world. Only problem with Oliver is he had two things. He had two sisters who sometimes needed to be reined in. They were older than him. And he had bad aim. Now, you're probably wondering why those things come into play. But let me tell you, one day, Oliver... Had, been, had just had enough of his sisters, and he grabbed a rock outside and began chasing them. And the sisters dashed inside, and so Oliver came in after them, and they, kinda, they ran into the living room and had gone as far as they could go so they could run no more. And Oliver leaned back, and he threw the rock right at them, having bad aim. He missed them, and he hit the brand-new plasma flat-screen television just shattered it and this was before you know those things just started coming in a box of cereal when they were really expensive and uh you know the house went from laughing and being squealing and being full of noise to just dead silence and one of his sisters lucy looked at him and said "Ooh, oliver daddy's gonna give it to you when he gets home and ollie just started crying and Dad pulls into the driveway a couple of hours later, and always just doesn't know what to do, and he hears Dad walk into the, the house, and instead of hiding under his bed, which was his first instinct, he runs straight to his dad. And his dad picks him up, and he says, Why are you crying? And, and he can't hardly get the words out, and he finally just is able to mumble living room, and Dad walks into the living room, and there it is for all to see. His pride and joy, his most expensive item, shattered. And it's obvious that it was Ollie's fault. Now, what would justice demand? At the very least, Ollie should be disciplined for throwing rocks. And honestly, if we're going to be just, Ollie should have to pay for that television. It wasn't Dad that broke it. Ollie broke it. But Ollie's little. And Ollie is poor. And Dad does what you know Dad is going to do. He hugs Ollie and he forgives him, and he buys a new television. Even though he bought the one that was broken because he loves ali he bears the curse he pays the debt he swallows his anger because he loves ali who is little and he can't do it and and that's what we're studying this this period between christmas and easter we're looking at the cross and how the, the, the story of the cross is a story of God seeing us with a burden that we cannot carry, with a debt that we cannot pay, and Him paying for it, even though we sinned against Him. Even though we sinned against Him. And, and that's what I want you to see today, is the cross. On the cross, God has seen us with a curse that we cannot bear with a debt that we cannot pay. And he has substituted himself to reconcile us to a love that we cannot lose. Please stand as we read from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. This is the story of all history in seven verses. Ready? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man... Much more has the grace of God and the free gift of the grace that, of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if by, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Thus far, the reading of God's word, all men are like grass and all of our glories like the flowers of the field and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. God in his great love saw us with a curse that we could not bear and a debt we could never pay. And he reconciled us through his son to a love that we cannot lose. Uh, The first thing I really want you to see is this curse that we can't bear. This curse goes back to Adam's first sin. When Adam had one law, he had one command obey me about this one tree. Just obey me about this one tree. Everything else is yours, everything else is beautiful. You are beautiful, everything is right. All you have to do is not eat from this one tree. Just obey me about that. And Adam saw the tree, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was beautiful, and he saw that it was desirable to to bring wisdom, and so he ate from the one tree. And God said, on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And on the day that Adam ate of it, death invaded the world. Death was the, the curse. And God comes to Adam and Eve, and He says, "This is the curse you're going to bear, Eve. In pain you will bear children. In pain you will rear your children. You'll raise them. In your your marriage, your desire is going to be for a, your husband, which is in and of itself is a curse. And you're going to, and He will rule over you. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight." And he looked at Adam and he said, cursed is the ground for your sake. This ground that was created to bring life forth for you, now you're going to have to fight against it. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat. Instead of just bringing forth food, it's going to bring forth thorns. From the dust you are taken and to the dust you will returned. And we're told that Adam and Eve felt their nakedness, and they felt their shame, and they hid from each other, and they hid from God. And he clothed them. That was the curse. Cursed is our relationships. Cursed is our, our children, our, our child-rearing. Cursed is our, our work. Cursed is our life. We're in a war with life itself. We're in a war with the earth, and the earth is going to win. And we're going to go back to it. That was the curse. And it was just too heavy. It was just too heavy. There's a uh, movie in the 80s. There were a lot of them. Uh, But one was called The Mission, and uh, it had Robert De Niro, who was a Spanish conqueror, he was a Spanish soldier, and uh, he was stationed in, in South America where he just did atrocious, atrocious things to the, uh, the Native Americans down there. And ultimately, he was um, he came in contact with his mission, and he began to be convicted for his sins, and he was just overwhelmed with his guilt for the blood that he had shed. And, and his penance was he had to uh, carry around behind him This bag filled with the weapons of his of his sins. And he drug it. It was his curse. It was his burden. And they were going up the mountain to see, uh, to visit with and and evangelize the uh the Indians up there, and he had to climb this mountain with this burden. And anytime someone tried to help him, he would, he would push them away. It was his to bear. Until he got gets almost to the top of the mountain and he's really in danger of dying, because it's going to pull him off the mountain. And one of the Indians, one of the very people that he had used those weapons against, ran to him and cut the burden off and threw it down the mountain. It was too great. It was too great. And we see Jesus doing this for us, God himself, the Son of God, coming to earth and bearing this curse for us. Go through it line by line. Adam and Eve ate and they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And Jesus had his clothes divided up among the soldiers and was crucified naked in shame. Adam was told that by the sweat of his brow he would eat. And Jesus labored under this burden of trying to save us so much that great sweat and huge drops came to the ground. Adam was told that the ground would bring forth thorns and that Jesus was put under a crown of thorns that was beaten down upon him until it tore into his scalp. No one was ever more under the condemnation of the thorns than Jesus. He was the king of the cursed. Eve is told that in pain she would bring forth Children And Jesus had to go to the very cross to, to bring forth all of his adopted brothers and sisters. And we're told that he, in the, he saw the travail of his soul. He ta- saw the product of his soul, the pain. And he was satisfied. A knowledge about my righteous servant, he will justify many. We're told that marriage would be a war between husband and wife. Your desire will be for him, and he will rule over you. And as we look at the story of Jesus and his bride, who continues to be be adulterous and chase after other husbands, we even look in the story of, of Hosea, who, as an image of this relationship between God and his bride, Uh, He married an unfaithful woman who left him again and again and again, having children that weren't his. He even named his oldest son, not my son. And ultimately she committed adultery so many times that she was enslaved as a prostitute and and Hosea had to go and and purchase a night with her just to have her. He had to pay like everybody else. But he didn't Pay the fee for one night. He brought in grain and barley and gold and silver, and he purchased her for every night. And Jesus gave everything as he had, his very life, to reconcile himself to his wife. And we're told that the ground would be cursed for your sake. To the dust you will return. And Jesus bore that curse dying for us and going into the ground. He he bore the curse for us. The weight was too great. And what's the result of that? The result of that is His people live life without the curse. Have you owned that? Have you owned a life without shame? Is shame still keeping you embarrassed, still keeping you enslaved to your sin? The, the, un, the unwillingness to let others know you and see you and, and, and love you, is it keeping you hidden and broken? Because Jesus has borne the curse, our job doesn't have to be a curse anymore. Work is no longer a curse. It can be something that we enjoy as a way to glorify God and, and take dominion of this earth. As a, as a result of Jesus bearing the curse for us, the earth is no longer against us. It's opening itself up to us to let us see and use its its value and its its secrets, because Jesus is born the curse from us for us. Our our marriages don't have to be wars anymore, but we can come to each other in love and grace and forgiveness and service, serving each other, not ruling over each other. Because Jesus has born the curse, bearing children doesn't have to be a a a war, it doesn't have to be filled with pain, it can be filled with grace and mercy. And instead of living in fear that our children might do something wrong, we can build relationships of grace and kindness so that when they do something wrong, which they will, they'll at least come and tell you. And you can work together. Because Jesus has borne the curse for us. And it wasn't just a curse that we couldn't bear, but it was a debt that we couldn't pay. We don't we don't think about sin as debt enough. Jesus clearly told us to pray in Matthew, "Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." Uh, I used to think that Presbyterian pre- Presbyterians paid that way because they all owned a lot of property. I mean, actually, were bankers. They were all bankers, and so they you know had a lot of people in debt to them. But uh, no, actually, it, it's because it's sin primarily is a result of not doing what you ought to do. You're commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You're commanded to love your neighbor as yourself. And every time you don't do that, you're running up a debt. And we were born in debt. It's kind of like being born on the wrong side of the tracks. You're just behind the eight ball from the word go. And we're born in our first words, our first... Uh, inclinations are not to give, they're not to share, they're not, yes, brother, here are my Legos, please take them for yourself. Uh, our first words are more like, mine, go away, get out of my room. Our, our, our very first inclinations are uh, to, to keep to ourselves, to be selfish. That's how we came into the world. We were in debt from the word go. And, then, and it was a debt we can't ever get out of. It's a debt we couldn't get out of. I, um, I, I grew up listening to country music. Uh, in ten, Tennessee, Ernie Ford was a favorite of my mom's, and he sang a song I never got it. I never understood it, and it was years later, like last year, when I finally understood. You know the song: "You lift three ten, you lift two tons, and what do you get?" Another day's done, and you're deeper in debt. Saint Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. And and what I didn't understand as a child that I understand now is the the owners, the operators of the coal mines. They would basically enslave their employees because they were you know so far out and and in, in, in isolated places that the only place that could go to buy their, their goods, their food, the things they need to live, was the company store. They bought whatever they needed from the company they were working for. And it just so happened that what you got paid for a day wasn't enough to live for a day. And so every day you were in that coal mine, you were deeper in debt. Wasn't that tricky? And that's kind of how we are every day we live we're every day that we don't love the lord with all of our hearts every day that we don't love our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves every time we go a little deeper in debt and I got yesterday's debt to pay well how am i going to pay yesterday's debt and Jesus tells us this he says we're unprofitable servants if you did everything you were commanded to do think about that a day where you did everything you were commanded to do. You began the day with worship and joy, thanking the Lord for this is the day that He has made. Every person you see, you're you're trying to figure out what they need and you're you're meeting that need. You're you're sharing your money, you're giving people rides to work, you're helping everybody at work without any concern for your own name or your own good. You you come home and you, you serve your, your family, you serve your children. You, you you take no concern for your own needs at all. One long day of, of just loving other people as much as you love yourself. And you know what you've done? What you were supposed to do that day. You did your job. Congratulations. One one day, you did it. That means nothing for the last 10,000 days. Almost nothing. You're just... That's a debt you'll never pay. And Jesus, by one act of righteousness, notice this in the text, by one act of righteousness, he pays a debt that we can never pay. He makes us righteous. Now, what was that act? What was the act? A lot of people point to a whole lifetime lived of of keeping the law perfectly, and yes, he did that, but that's not the act. By one act, he made many righteous. What was it? He obeyed God about the tree. He was given one command, go to the tree, die on the tree. And he obeyed God about the tree. The only one who did had no business dying, the only one who could say, death has no grip on me. Death. He says, I laid down my life for the sheep. No one can take it from me. I lay it down of my own and I take it back. He'll bait God about the tree, and he died on the tree for us to pay our debt. To take that back to the coal mine illustration, it's as if we're, we go into that company store one day to get d- deeper in debt, and while we're there, the owner of the store sees us and falls in love with us and asks us to marry him or her, whichever you want to go with. And we do. And he pays our debts, but it's more than just paying our debts. We now own the coal mine. We own the store. It's all ours. Uh, we we've done. We we've received more than we could ever hope. We've gone from being the coal miner's daughter to being the coal miner owner. And and, and that's. That's how we live. That's how we function. Not as somebody in debt, but as Christ himself. And can I just tell you something? Presbyterians are really bad at this. We're bad at living like we are the owner of the coal mine. We're good at talking about sin. We're really good at that. And we're good at talking about grace. And we're terrible at living in grace. How do you live? Do you live like somebody who's still in debt to God? You want to pray? You want to ask God for something? So you sneak in and you show Him how sad you are first because you got to pay that debt. And then you begin to talk like, you know, Oliver, please, sir, may I have a little jam for my bread? And He looks at you and says, Honey, well, you can have the whole refrigerator. It's all for you. Why are you still living like somebody who's in debt? Why are you looking at other people like, like you're jealous of them, like God liked them more than you and you're mad at God and them? Or why are you judging other people for not being as perfect as you? Because you're perfectly pleasing God with all your righteousness and they're not. Why do you have those those feelings, those attitudes? are just not worthy of you. You're much better than that. You are Christ in you. Are you feeling that way toward yourself? Do you look upon yourself with, with disdain, with self-hatred? Like you're a debtor who's never going to get out of debtor's prison? Or do you receive, your, look at yourself and see... What God sees, beauty, something to be delighted in. God has seen us with a curse we could not bear, and he's borne it for us. He has seen us with a debt we could not pay, and he's paid it for us. Also, we could be reconciled to a love that we cannot lose. He's, he's done it. All the, all the verbs in this text are past tense and objective. This is almost, if there's a text in the Bible that's problematic for being too good, it's this one. It, re, it really is. It's too good. The, 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 if you take it seriously, the first word you want to say is, but. but... All have been made alive... You know, there are other texts in the Bible we might want to talk about another day, but we're not going to do that today. It's an objective gift. There's nothing you can do to improve it. And that's such good news, isn't it? Because that means there's nothing you can do to mess it up. You know, you know. I, I, I've been haunted by those same questions you've been haunted by. You know, words like sincere. You know, is, is J- Jesus is really forgiving all my sins? Well, yes, if you were sincere when you asked him. Can I just help you out? You weren't. (laughs) When you asked God to forgive your sins, you did it very selfishly. You were not sincere. That's okay. You're not saved by your sincerity. God forgives all my sins? Well, if you feel sorry enough for them. You didn't feel sorry enough. You never have. Nowhere in the Bible are we told we're saved by being sorry. We're saved by what Christ has already done. It's objective. Martin Luther said we were a caterpillar in a ring of fire. All we did was let a human pick us up. <laughs> we just received it. We're like the, the ground receiving the rain. It's just it's, it's, if you're in Christ, it's because of what he's done. And you can't really change that. It's like I'm a Jones. Now, y'all don't know a lot of West Tennessee Joneses, but you've seen all of them you need to see. We all look exactly alike. I can't change it. We sound alike. We stand the same way. We have the same sense of humor. We have the same pot belly and toothpick legs. We have all the same characteristics. We're Joneses. I can't change that. In the same way, when you're in Christ, it's because of what He has done. It's not because you started this relationship. He started it, and you can't finish it. You're in Him. His gift is the gift of life. And we just receive it like the rain. We receive it like the rain. I was uh, named after a country music singer named Jimmy Dean. He's better known for his sausage than he is for his songs. He had one song, had a groan in it. Um, it's called Big John. I don't know if any of y'all remember Big John. Big John was wide at the shoulders and narrow at the hip. And everybody knew you didn't give no lip to Big John. And Big John was down in the coal mine one day. And there was a puff of smoke and a sound of something cracking and he realized that the ceiling was about to uh, fall in and there's all these miners in there behind him and so Big John walked over to the beam and he let out an awful groan and he bore the weight of that beam so that everybody else could run out and that is the message of the gospel Jesus is bearing the weight of the beam and it's just left for us to run out. Will you run to him? Would you believe this about yourself? Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have done for us. we run to your glory, we run to freedom instead of insisting that we dig ourselves out. We pray in Jesus' name.